We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the October 12th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fantasy Draft. Derek Van Riper and I are going to get ready for the weekend. Uh, last minute news notes, injury reports on Friday, all that. Uh, we are recording this shortly after 2 30 p.m. Eastern on Friday. So we've got a lot of the injury stuff in some of the West Coast we might not. Let's talk about, unfortunately, let's talk about Eagles Giants first. Um, so Carson Wentz back all the way back. We're good. No more worries about Carson Wentz. No more putting him at QB 15. We're ready to roll with Carson Wentz, right? Yeah, I think he's, he's shown enough. Um, Elshon Jeffrey looks really good too. And I just think it's always smarter to err on the side of caution with players coming off of major injuries. And I think maybe Doug Baldwin's a good example of that uh we're seeing it in season with leonard fournette i mean uh, hamstring strains a lot different than shoulder surgery of course but injury optimism doesn't usually turn out this way and uh i'm you know i'm happy because carson wentz running the eagles offense at that high level gives us one more team that's really excited uh, exciting to watch every week and gives us one more option on on main dfs slates that you you truly trust to just not go out there and, and be terrible. So I, I think Wentz has shown us enough to where 
you can kind of just say he's back at this point. Yep. Um, the backfield breakdown, Smallwood, 18 carries, one catch. Corey Clement, 11 carries with a touchdown and three catches. Uh, unless they acquire somebody via trade, this backfield appears capable of sustaining two flexi running backs. Do you agree? Yeah, because I'm not sure that either one of those players is significantly better in enough facets of the game compared to the other to mm-hmm. completely overrun the workload. I, I just think they're they're good complementary pieces. They have some limitations, but in tandem, they're acceptable. Uh, and my concern, uh, I voiced this yesterday, was just that they had this problem last year and they made the trade for Ajayi. So whether that means they're going after Le'Veon Bell or or something else, you know, who knows? Maybe they're going to go and get LaShawn McCoy and have a reunion there. But different coaching staff, different mindset right now. Um, I, I think last night's distribution with Smallwood getting 18 carries to Clement's 11 may have been partially the result of Clement coming off the injury. Uh, so you have to look at that and kind of say that workload could flip. And if that happened and then Corey Clement had the the role in the passing game he has, which might be a little bigger than the, the Smallwood passing game role, maybe then Corey Clement gets a little separation. But it's hard to imagine either of those guys becoming top 10, top 12 running backs as long as the other one is healthy enough to contribute. Yep. Okay. Um, the other side of the game. Um, okay, so. I saw something list tweeted a little, little while ago, and I, I only agreed with part of it. Cover your ears, children. <laughs> well, he said that the Giants were correct to draft Saquon Barkley. Now, he also said that he's already the best back in the league, which I agree with. I thought that last week. When I was watching the game last week, that's exactly what crossed my mind. I said, this is the best running back in the league. I think he is. I think already I'm, I am in. Five games in, I am, I am, I have drunk the Kool-Aid. He's... He does everything and some things that he brings to the table other guys don't bring. And most mostly it's of all of those other elite running backs. Like I'm sitting there, I'm looking at him against Todd Gurley, and I'm going, I think I'd rather go Saquon. That he's just- some of it, some of its usage, but the the overall talent, yeah. I, I think you can you can absolutely make the argument that Barkley is number one. He's so fast. Like he gets through the line. That touchdown he ran for, you know, he he gets through the line and he's just gone. You know, and, and that's something that none of those other elite backs have like he has. So, but the other thing with, with the whole, well, now I think they were correct. What Liss tweeted was they were correct to draft Saquon where they were wrong was not getting rid of Eli and signing or trading for another veteran quarterback. Well, okay. What's the cap hit on that? Like that, that the, those, those moves don't just occur by themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So you 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 were gonna have to unload other people to make that happen, and like what and what would and the answer I'm actually gonna take this up with him on Twitter. So was it Case Keenum? Like what 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 was that? You know, no name quarterback. Who is it? Like give, give me an example of one is where I want to go with that. So it, it's it's not a good list. I mean, yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick because he played well pops up, but if he played like garbage for the first few games when Jameis was suspended, no one would have pointed to him and said, that was the Giants' solution. Like, come on. Like, he's a really good backup. That's that's what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. Maybe he's better than Eli, but does he elevate that team to a considerably higher level week in and week out? I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick would do that. The 
lack of, of established veterans is, is a big part of this. I mean, J- Josh McCown, were you going to get Josh McCown from the Jets? Was that your, was that your move? Tyrod? Right. Were you going to get Tyrod from, from Buffalo? And, and that was going to be an upgrade? I mean, I, I don't think there was an obvious veteran quarterback that made perfect sense for the Giants. Where I think maybe they got it wrong and where the focus should be is not failing to draft Sam Darnold in this year's draft, but you know, if you go back to the 2017 draft, both Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson slipped outside the top 10, or at least I think Mahomes was a 10th pick, but they, they weren't early, early first rounders. To me, that means they were they were gettable. Like right. you, could, you could have made a move to get a quarterback then, and because we don't have a full season yet from this year's rookie class, I think it's really hard to just say they, they, they whiffed by not getting Darnold. Like that's still kind of premature to yeah, say I agree. that. Barkley does everything you want a running back to do. And while you might say, well, a running back's less important than a quarterback, I agree with that premise. If you have a running back that can do some things that Barkley does, you don't necessarily need as good of a quarterback that you might need otherwise. So right. it, it does lower the bar of what it takes to be uh, competitive when you have a, a player that is uniquely gifted at a position the way Saquon Barkley appears to be. So I think you make a good point where it's like, well, what what was the move? What was the obvious move that they should have made? My argument is that they whiffed on getting a quarterback in the 2017 draft because there were two excellent ones that didn't go in the first handful of picks where you're mortgaging several future drafts just to get up into that range. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I agree with you. And supposedly, there was actually a story I saw yesterday that McAdoo wanted to trade up to get Mahomes and they weren't able to do it. So. If that's true, then then there is something good about Ben McAdoo. But <laughs> right. I, I have no no good sense of whether or not that's actually, you know, what happened or just something that someone put out there to get a lot of clicks. Right. Uh, it's hard it's hard to say. But uh, I, could they have traded for Jimmy Garoppolo? Could they have given up the draft pick currency that the Patriots wanted? Would that have been a good move if they had done that? Uh, that would have been a good move. Yes. That would so the second round pick is what it was, right? A high second, a high second, which mm-hmm. they had <laughs> this they year. Had. They did. So if they had made that trade instead of San Francisco, I mean, the butterfly effect would probably mean that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have a torn ACL right now, so that would be cool. Um, and the Giants wouldn't be playing Eli Manning, but the cap implications, right? Like Jimmy Garoppolo, you had to give him a contract, right. so that wasn't going to work with Eli. So I don't know what other costs there would have been reshaping the roster to absorb a giant cap hit from letting Eli go. Exactly. Yeah, there would have been there would have been other dominoes. That's right. Um, do you think Odell Beckham's fantasy owners need to – how much do they need to worry right now? He came into this week. Um, the stats I'm looking at say he was 18th at wide receiver coming into this week. And I think you and I had this conversation last week as the – going back to that preseason discussion of if if all these giant skill players live up to their – fantasy value then Eli's going to be better than we think but we did talk about in preseason one of the, the factors with Eli the downside is that he might be complete toast and might get replaced which appears to be on its way to happening Beckham came in ranked 18th at wide receiver what what if you're his, one of his owner I mean you can't trade him like what do you do are, are you how worried are you is what I'm trying to ask not very worried because the targets, the yardage, everything's been there. He's had three 100-yard games. Last night was a disappointment because the matchup against Jalen Mills should have been a good one. Um, Eli has been garbage throughout Beckham's time there, and Beckham's been outstanding 
throughout that time. So uh, I think you feel better seeing how good Barkley is because Barkley helps them sustain drives, makes them rely a little less on Eli, and actually does give Beckham more chances to score. Beckham has shown that he can take a ball that Eli misses on by several feet and still catch it. Like, that's pretty remarkable. So uh, I, I don't think you're significantly downgrading Odell Beckham at this point. If you are, you're making a mistake. If you got someone in your league panicking like that, giving him up for, I don't know, a, a, a high-end RB2 or something, I, I'd would jump at that at a second as long as I had a passable running back to slot into the lineup in, in, uh, in place. So he is averaging... 84 yards a game. Yeah, 84 is like 1,300 over a full season. Like yeah. he's, he's crushing still in that regard. And the upcoming schedule, they've got Falcons in Week 7. They give up the fourth most fantasy points to opposing receivers. I'm just looking at the FanDuel scoring, but that still holds up for a good number of leagues out there. Uh, the Redskins, more like a, I don't know, they're, they're actually above average in terms of how good they are against receivers, but... Uh, that's maybe a matchup where you're not like geeking out, but you play them every week anyway. Week nine by week ten, San week 10, Francisco. Sorry, week ten, starting quarterback no. Kyle Oletta. Go ahead, go. You, you think they're going to make that change? I think it might have to come to that. Now I don't, I don't know. This is like last year when the change was rumored to Davis Webb. We I kept saying I don't know. I have no idea if Davis Webb is ready because I haven't seen it, and I only they I, only they know, and apparently they didn't think he was. Uh, but but this one, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's Alex Tanny, but at some point, I, I don't know what you do. But I think I think a change, it is so bad that a change has to come, even if it's just for change's sake, because, I mean, the, the, the fans are angry. And you shouldn't just do it because of the fans. It's not what I mean. But he's going to get booed out of there. And it's, it's sad for me to watch. I hate it. And, and and he there they I think they put him in a bad position. I mean, he wants to play, so you know he's a big boy and all that. But I think they're going to have to make a change because it's so god awful right now. It it's bad, but the the schedule beyond that is good too. You got another game uh, shootout game coming up, week eleven against Tampa Bay. So with Atlanta and Tampa Bay coming up in two of the next four, Washington, San Francisco, two teams you don't fear. Passing game should be fine. You don't have any lockdown great pass defenses in the near term. You know, maybe you're worried about that next matchup against Philadelphia in Week 12. Uh, Eli getting slaughtered in Week 13 by Khalil Mack, stuff like that. I don't know. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at that schedule though, and I'm not. I'm not really worried at all about Beckham. Okay. Um, everybody, before we get to the rest of the news, check us out on Twitter. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at Jay Helping 37. You can also tweet us at Rotowire. You can get player updates, injuries, all that stuff at Rotowire NFL, and you can follow us on Facebook. All right, Week Six. Reminder, buys or lines and saints. Injuries. First of all, what's up with Aaron Rodgers? He practiced today, right? Yeah, he did. He was supposed to anyway. I never saw the confirmation if it actually happened. But it sounds like he just has to change braces again. He went to a smaller knee brace last week, got tackled kind of awkwardly, and, and maybe you know has some swelling and a little setback with the knee. But it doesn't seem like it's going to keep him from playing. So maybe it reduces his mobility. Maybe we go back to where we were in the game immediately after he got hurt in week one where he runs a little bit, but a little less than he has overall these last few weeks. So I, I think he's ultimately fine. He's just going to be 85% of himself instead of, you know, 95% like he was the last couple of weeks. Okay. Um, injuries. Okay. So Fournette's out again. Freeman's out. Uh, Sean Lee's probably out again for the Cowboys. Uh, T Y Hilton and Doyle are out for the Colts. 
Uh, the Chiefs, Eric Berry again. Justin Houston's out now. Matt Breida, haven't heard anything new, assuming he's out, right? That's a Monday game, but we, we got to have to, even though the, they're talking this week like he might not be, I think we have to proceed as if he's going to be out, right? Really seems like a long shot that he would uh, he'd be able to go. Okay. Um, checking on a few others while we're talking. OJ Howard. Let's see what we got here. He was a full practice participant on Friday. This is going to blow my Cameron Brait idea if he plays. Yeah, it's disappointing because I want everybody to have the Cameron Brait chalk only to have Jameis Winston screw it all up. Uh, they don't, <laughs> this this should be the game that Jameis Winston can't screw up, by the way, just, oh. just based on the matchup. It, like, it should be impossible for him to lay an egg. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't have him anywhere, one. I do. So that, it makes it very easy for me to root against him especially since I don't have him anywhere. But uh, that Braid situation is very much a toss-up now because of Howard's presence. If Howard's out there, even in a limited capacity, Braid's snap count could go down a ton, and then you're just relying on some kind of red zone target being converted, and they have so many other weapons. I, I would... I would love to fade Cameron Brait with OJ Howard out, and now I just feel like I'm avoiding Cameron Brait like everybody else because Howard might play. Okay, fair enough. Um, Tyler Croft out for the Bengals. Uh, the Jets' corners are both out, it looks like. Um, and Gio Bernard is out again for the Bengals. Not that he was going to play ahead of Joe Mixon, but he it means all the Joe Mixon if uh, with Gio Bernard out. Um, the only player of note that's the players of note that appear to be back, Greg Olson and Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, we're not. He practiced fully on Thursday. I'm going to check his Friday status. Dalvin Cook. I believe it was a full practice Friday, too. Yeah, I don't see. Okay, if you saw that, then you have more than I do. But okay, so we're expecting Dalvin Cook to be back against the Cardinals, which would appear to be, if you're into game scripts, that would appear to be a good one for Dalvin Cook. Okay, the other issues. Um, Deshaun Watson... It's funny that the overrunner has been off all week and the spread was off in some places uh, through Thursday because people worry about Watson's chest. Sounds like he's going to be fine. Um, let's talk about Cup and Cooks for the Rams. They're playing at Denver. Um, both concussions. Sounds like the Rams seem to think they're going to play. We talked about this yesterday, that with a concussion, you don't know till you know. But, um, but we, you, we were talking before the show how Cooks is a little bit of a different uh, case than Cup. Yeah, this is its third concussion since 2015. Uh, one with the Saints, one in the Super Bowl last year with the Patriots, and now one with the Rams. So I don't think in, in the last few years anyway that I've, I can recall a player who's had three in the NFL who's come back the week immediately after suffering the concussion the third time. But again, I, I have not built such an extensive database to know for certain uh, the Rams can get by without Brandon Cooks. Like, I, it's it's not, it's not, it's not because he's not important. It's because they just they'll scheme, they'll find ways. They can run Todd Gurley more, and they can do a little bit with Josh Reynolds. Maybe they get Gerald Everett more involved. If if Cup and Cooks are out, I think missing two of those guys, then I'd be a little bit worried about the Rams having to go on the road to Denver. Even though Denver is not great, um, they're good enough to be tough at home if you're missing some pieces. So. I'm kind of pessimistic about Cooks after talking to Jeff Stotts about it because he was the one that reminded me that this is the third that, that Cooks has had. And this is two in less than a year, which I think the closer multiple concussions are to each other, the, the worse you, you're going to be as far as your symptoms. So 
Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about this uh, this Cook situation, even beyond this week. But yeah, his status still up in the air for Sunday. Okay, um, Patriots. We had some limited news with Sony Michelle and Josh Gordon. I haven't heard anything that's making me worry too much, but you probably want to keep an eye on them. Um, Isaiah Crowell going to be a game time decision for the Jets. So after that big week last week, you're going to want to watch that. If if he's not in, Bilal Powell becomes a top blank running back for you, even in standard, Derek? Probably like 10, just because the, the usage will be there. Uh, the Colts, as far as Ten. run that's, defenses that's go. It's, it's usage. It's, it's just consolidating the workload of two guys that get a, a lot of touches most weeks when you, when you pair them together and not really expecting a third option to come up and take on a, a meaningful sort of role. That's, that's all it comes down to. It speaks a lot to the lack of quality at the running back position, you know, Fournette being hurt, uh, Cook coming off the injury, Jordan Howard underperforming. And, and also, I think maybe it's a little bit of a, a hive mind for the main slate DFS approach. But um, especially in, in main slate DFS, we talked about this yesterday where you have so many good offenses having played in the Thursday night game, Sunday night with Patriots Chiefs, uh, Monday night with the Packers taking a few pieces away. Not that their running game is anything special, but um, that's because Mike McCarthy doesn't play Aaron Jones. Um, anyway, you, you just look at this and you say, okay, well, this is actually a really nice setup for Powell, and it's a matchup that you definitely like. The Colts are just not a defense to fear at this point. All right. Um, the other, uh, the Redskins, by the way, are just, they're a mess injury-wise. I mean, they're a mess non-injury-wise. But it looks like, okay, so Jay Gruden said, I'm on NFL, NFL.com, NFL.com, which is autoplay video, which is always great when you're recording a show and looking at a computer, is awesome, by the way. If you, if you ever want to try that, everybody, go for it. Um, let's see. So Jay Gruden said, wide out Jamison Crowder, running backs Chris Thompson, Adrian Peterson, and wide receiver Paul Richardson will be listed as questionable. So uh, I'm shrugging my shoulders right now. I'm doing the shrug shoulders emoji because I don't know what's happening with any of these guys. So you're going to have to watch them all weekend. Sounded early in the week like they kept thinking Peterson was going to be okay and that Richardson was the guy you need to worry most about, but you're probably not starting Paul Richardson anyway. Okay. Um. Streaming defenses. We do this every week. You want to talk streaming defenses? You ready? Sure. Who do you like? Who who's available that you like? We've got a few candidates. Are are you anti Derek Carr enough that you want to play the Seahawks in London? I would say it's not out of the question because the uh, the Raiders make plenty of mistakes with Carr, and uh, I think there's there's some sack potential for Seattle in that matchup. Uh, you start looking at the ownership rates. I mean, you got un- at least under 50%. You start looking at teams in, on Yahoo anyway, like Seattle's 34%. So they're mm-hmm. they're available in a good number of leagues. They're probably the best option in, in a lot of waiver streaming situations. The, the other one that I'm kind of thinking about is Cleveland. They're home against the Chargers. Hmm. Chargers like to throw the ball. And... I just I think Cleveland's defense can force turnovers. I think they can they can get pressure on the quarterback, and I think that that could actually lead them to a surprisingly productive sort of day. And I think when you start breaking down the the alternatives that are available, I mean Cincinnati's going to be in a shootout with Pittsburgh. So unless you're expecting Big Ben to be awful on the road, I don't think you really want to go there. Dallas is home against Jacksonville, maybe because of the the Dallas front, especially you're interested, but no Sean Lee. Atlanta's a mess. You can't play them. Kansas City gets New England. They're a mess anyway. You can't play them. Um, so it, it gets pretty ugly. I mean, unless you're 
looking for like a Miami defense forcing turnovers at home against Mitchell Trubisky coming off the bye, which that's a strange narrative to get into as well. I think Cleveland kind of pops as the best readily available defense in about two-thirds of leagues that I would think about streaming. I would be happy to put my eggs in Miles Garrett's basket in a lot of situations, so I think I agree with you. What about, um? okay, since it's always attractive to chase a rookie quarterback, to go against a rookie quarterback, what about the Colts at the Jets? Yeah, picking on uh, on, on Darnold maybe, that, that could make some sense. Um, they are really low-owned because I think they're like 5% owned on Yahoo 5%, right now. yep. It's amazing that they're that far down. They're better than some of the defenses that are more owned. I, I will I will say that much. I mean, I think they they might be on the field a lot though. Like they've got a lot of injuries on offense. Uh, I don't think the Jets are actually a bad defensive team in their own right. So that could make things a bit difficult for Andrew Luck and company. And and with that, that Colts defense might just get worn down uh, over the course of that game. So I'm I'm lukewarm on it. Um, in a fishbowl, well, there's no defenses in the fishbowl, but a mega deep league, like they'd they'd be probably like the fourth or fifth option for streaming. Okay, um, you know the Colts, by the way, 17 sacks in five games so far. I don't have in front of me a game by game of did they rack them up against somebody. Let me see. This. Trying to remember if there was one that stands out, and uh, I don't, I don't have one in mind. But looking at season averages from these teams that are available dallas averages three sacks per game again they i I think if they if they get jacksonville in a situation where the jags are throwing a lot great but i just wonder if that game ends up being like a 17 13 watch our running backs just carry the ball 28 times each sort of thing and and that kind of limits your your defensive upside for a team like the cowboys the uh the jets the other team that like on the other side of that matchup i'm almost more interested in the jets defense then the Colts defense and the ownership rates kind of reflect that. Okay. Folks, Fantasy Draft puts players first. They've got a $100,000 run and gun weekly feature GPP with a $25 buy-in. They've got a $500,000 Fantasy Draft championship with weekly qualifiers happening now, and that's got a week 16 final. There's super flexible lineup construction, making it easier to sweat the players you love to watch. It's easier to win. Because Fantasy Draft pays out at least 25% of the field in every single contest. So right now, go to Fantasy Draft, right? Sign up with referral code ROTOWIRE. That'll get you a free $4 GPP ticket with that initial deposit. So again, go to Fantasy Draft, use referral code ROTOWIRE, and that'll get you a free $4 GPP ticket with your initial deposit. That's a, that's a pretty good deal. Hard to pass it up. Uh, again, you don't have to scrounge for players because of the way the salary structure works. You can play you know players you know better, which makes it a little more fun. So check it out. Fantasy Draft. We put players first. Okay. So we're going to talk about our emergency plug-and-play guys that we talked about every week. And it's funny. In the beginning of the week, Jameis was... On Yahoo, he was twenty one percent owned. Now he's up to fifty three. So he gets out of the uh, he, he gets out of the territory that we normally talk about. But yeah, isn't this? It's funny. I I have Jameis. I literally stashed Jameis on two teams because I like him. I did the wait in the quarterback game, and my first quarterback is probably like a you know Matthew Stafford or whatever. And I said, in the last round, I picked Jameis because I said after week three, he's going to come back and he's going to be really good. Because at the end of last year, he's pretty good. And this, like you said, this is the this is such a dream spot for him. But everybody knows it. Everybody, everybody's all over. I mean, look, if those fifty three percent of leagues, unless you have some super quarterback, I have got Jameis ranked sixth at quarterback this week. I'm all in, 
And if he falls on his face because it's so obvious, you know, I guess that's on me. You with me? You in? Yeah, I mean, the Falcons have been a, a bottom five defense as far as the fantasy points they're allowing to opposing quarterbacks. They've been soft week in and week out because of all the injuries they've been dealing with throughout the year. Um, I mean, and the, the good thing about it is Tampa Bay's defense opens things up, too. They're the worst defense in the league as far as fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. So it should be back and forth. You know, Matt Ryan should be able to bounce back and play well with this game being at home. Everyone loves Ryan. Everyone loves Julio. People are warming up to even like Mohamed Sanu as a cash game, like safe play in this. It's just a question of like, where do you draw the lines? Where do you start to uh, back off a little bit? And across the board, I don't have strong cases to go against anybody on either side outside of ownership rates getting completely ridiculous. And I think Jameis's ownership rate is going to be very high at quarterback this week with so many of those of those studs that normally are on the main slate all being kind of tucked away on the the non-traditional slates, I think that's going to pump up the ownership rate even more for Winston this week. Yeah, everybody, if you're playing DFS and you think you're being clever about starting Jameis, you're not. No, I I think that that makes him a guy that you'd... If you're playing several lineups in tournaments, you'd want to probably limit the exposure to 20, 25% of your lineups just because even though it looks like it's great, uh, your chances of taking down a tournament with him are down a lot when everybody's going to use him. Yep, absolutely. All right, so so let's say Jameis is out of the picture and you want to pick up a quarterback. Let's say you had Breeze and you didn't get what you wanted this week on the waiver wire and you're struggling with a backup you don't like. Who's who's a sneaky low-owned guy that you would like to go for? Sneaky low-owned at quarterback this week. Mm-hmm. What mm. about Trubisky? 28%. Trubisky's not bad because I, I like the weapons he has, but the... The Dolphins are are not a terrible pass defense. They they have been able to force turnovers, and and I, I just think they they're a little better on that side of the ball than people realize. Like there's such a train wreck offensively that I think people just write them off as bad across the board. Right. Uh, so Trubisky is probably not a waiver streamer for me, like in a ten or a twelve team league where I don't like my starter this week. Okay, uh, what about? What about Blake Bortles at Dallas? The over-under's low. I mean, again, we're, we're scrambling here. But I, I always say that I like Bortles because of the rushing floor, that what he adds to your floor. But he's, you know, without Fournette, he's going to throw a little more. I mean, the last couple of weeks are kind of hard. Last week was hard because they were getting killed, so he threw a billion times. Um, but what do you think? Okay with it. Um, relative to, like, Trubisky, I think it's slightly better. Because he can junk his way into a good line. He runs a bit. Um, so like Trubisky, that's kind of a, a little floor bump that Blake Bortles gets. But I would rather, if I'm looking at some of the the lower-owned quarterbacks that, that might actually be out there, I, I think I'd rather I'd rather play Sam Darnold this week hmm. okay. than Trubisky and, and then Bortles. I, I think Sam Darnold at home against the Colts doesn't concern me all that much. The Colts are, are below league average defense as far as what they give up to opposing passers. And I, I just I like that Robbie Anderson finally got involved. Uh, Powell can catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. Quincy Nunwa should be able to produce something against the Colts as well. So I actually think Darnold might stand out to me as one of those under probably under 25% owned at least, if not even under 10, a lot of places, uh, low-owned quarterbacks that I would think about streaming in a tough spot. Okay. Um, yeah, because of the opponent, that might be 
it's a consideration for sure. All right, running backs. The Seahawks ran a ton last week, which is its own problem because they have a really good quarterback and they seem very committed to the run, which I find puzzling. But with that said, is Mike Davis playable yet? Last week he ran 12 times, but he was the he was the clear second fiddle to Carson. Like how how much that strikes me. Mike Davis, by the way, 34% owned. He's pretty good, and I think they're going to mix him in. But Carson's better, and you feel like if they have a lead back, you could see a situation where, you know, well, if they don't run the backs 35 times, then maybe Davis only gets the ball seven or something like that. I think the problem in this matchup is it's so good that you have a really difficult time, like, avoiding Carson and Davis as flex options, and you you get tempted to play them even in DFS, but not knowing what that actual split is going to look like is a big problem for me. Mm-hmm. I think if the carries get scaled down, it, it's Carson's backfield, but I'm also not that confident in that position. So I'd like to avoid it if possible, even though Oakland's a team that you want to pick on as much as possible. I can't get out of my head that for some reason, this will be the week that Russell Wilson gets into a shootout and just goes off and, and, and everyone's ignoring him because you you have other games like Atlanta, Tampa Bay uh, and Cincinnati, Pittsburgh that have really high totals, especially you know in season long context too. Uh, you might've talked yourself into this point where Russell Wilson's kind of a, a, a low end QB one, someone that you mix and match a little more carefully. Like I, I just like this setup a lot for Seattle's offense because Oakland does not get pressure on opposing quarterbacks and having a terrible offensive line is much less of a concern against Oakland than it is against just about anybody else. All right. Um, the Bucks. So both of their backs, Barber and Jones are in the 30 to 32%. Do you have any, like I can't get a read on this. If, I mean, Jones played in the blowout the week before the bye and he got, he was finally active and he got some work, but they were losing, you know, 45 to 10 or whatever it was. Do, do you, what, what do you think their the play is? At some point, you would think they're going to get Jones involved. But is it, can you trust their, yeah, I look at both these guys, I go, I don't want to touch either one, even in a bye week. I, it's too, it's, it, it's too up in the air. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how much the Bucks dislike Ronald Jones. Like if, if the work last week was only because the game was out of hand or if they've given up on Peyton Barber and just like the Seattle backfield going up against Oakland, I want to be able to pick on somebody in or want to pick on some, pick someone to go up against the Atlanta defense. And it's so ugly. It's even worse than Seattle situation because it's been unproductive that I'm not doing it. I think the, the most actionable thing in season long is if you're in one of those leagues, about 70% of the leagues where Ronald Jones is available, you pick him up, you stash him away, you see what they do, and if things keep flipping in his favor, maybe you got a nice cheap waiver pickup that actually makes an impact. Right. Just because the, the, because the competition there really isn't that good. So if Jones shows them something, them being the coaching staff, I think there's still a path for him to have some fantasy relevance here, maybe in the second half of the season, but I don't think I can trust Jones or Barber in this matchup, even though they're getting the best matchup on the board. Okay. Uh, anyone else interest you? I mean, right now I'm looking at Marlon Max 21. It looks like he's going to play. 
Uh, Frank Gore's at 10%, and he's still, I mean, he's still getting more work than Drake. Um, Ito Smith, if Freeman's out, Ito Smith's been getting some goal line work. He's 4% owned. Anybody interest you there? Anybody else? Ito Smith might be a good add because Devontae Freeman has the the bone bruise on his ankle. And one thing that Jeff Stotts pointed out in the XM show today is that a, a bone bruise is something the body heals just like a fracture. So it's it's more serious than it sounds. Like it's just one of those one of those injuries that we hear we're like, oh, it's like a bruise. Like when you know someone punches you in the arm, like you get a bruise there. It's like, no, this is this is actually different. This is more problematic. And I just think with with Tevin Coleman, we know there there might be some physical limitations that prevent him from being a true workhorse, even if Freeman's out for a while. So Ido Smith can have a role. You know, we've seen him show a little bit of ability at times already. He's got 21 carries for 80 yards this season. So he's kind of a good spec ad in case this Freeman bone bruise situation turns out to be a little worse than you might think at first glance. Okay. Wide receivers. Um, we've got some guys that are pretty widely available, actually. Antonio Callaway's at 23. Taylor Gabriel's 22. Um, you were talking about Dante Moncrief a bit yesterday. I know this doesn't project to be a, a, an offensive game with Dallas and the Jags, but Moncrief's 13% owned. And like I said, we were, we were talking about which Jags receiver. And, and I, and it's funny, you surprised me when you brought up Moncrief because right away I thought to myself, yeah, which one, Westbrook or Cole? And you brought up Moncrief because of the red zone. So he, red zone, so he, he seems to intrigue you a bit more than he intrigues me. Yeah, it's only because he has that specific function, though. Where like Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook probably get more overall volume in the game plan oftentimes. Westbrook is just such a, a troubling player because he had 13 targets in week four, nine catches, 130 yards, and he's had just you know 14 targets in the three games around that, going week two, week three, week five. Like That's really strange that they don't make it more of a priority to kind of feature him as their number one. And then I mentioned this after the New England game in week two. I was buying in on Keelan Cole. He just looked so good that day that I thought, okay, like I, I had him... I had him underrated during draft season. I'll, I'll adjust my expectations. And then it's been kind of disappointing since, despite the fact that he's been targeted 22 times, targets of, of 9, 3, and 10, getting a lot of work and just not turning it into as much production as I'd hoped. So Cole versus Westbrook's just a tough call. They kind of like fight each other for value. I think if I had to pick one, Cole's volume seems a tick safer. But I like Moncrief more because I think he's a guy that Bortles trusts in close kind of interesting too if you're in a, a really bad spot at tight end niles paul had a big game it was against the chiefs last week but he played 35 snaps had nine targets seven yeah. catches 65 yards tight ends a mess so if you're throwing speculative darts at tight end and you didn't pick up niles paul that might actually make some sense i agree i mean that's it's a really it's a really interesting one with him right there yeah hey, niles paul three percent on on yahoo by the way so if you need a tight end, that's, I mean, I, I get it completely. Wide receiver, um, finishing that up. DJ Moore, I think he's a stash more than a play. He's 18% owned, but the Panthers are starting to work him in more. The problem is they work everybody in. Um, all right, Chester Rogers. So I think I think when I was on with Jake on Tuesday, I talked, I think I l- literally said, well, it's not, gonna, not like I want to pick up Chester Rogers. Because these guys are no good. And they're probably not, right? But 
so T.Y. Hilton, he was out last week. The week before was when he left. I don't know if it was the second quarter or whatever. It was somewhere in the middle of the game. But the last two games, Chester Rogers, in each game, 11 targets, 8 catches. He was 8 for 85 in week 4. He was 8 for 66 in week 5. The Jets have two corners out. T.Y. Hilton's out. Jack Doyle's out. Ebron's banged up. I mean, it, this, is, this is a process of elimination play here, right? I mean, the, guy, the guy's going to almost, I don't know about almost certainly, but you look at a good bet to get volume and he's it. I mean, he's not going to have a huge ceiling, but they're going to throw to him a, a bunch, right? Yeah, cheap cash game considerations for DFS, streaming as like your third receiver. Hopefully it's a full PPR scenario because the scoring upside, the big play upside, I think is limited pretty pretty closely uh, with both of those guys where you're just not really expecting a ton. And I think you said this yesterday, Andrew Luck has thrown 121 passes the last two weeks. So <laughs> right. target volumes in general, you know, you, you can't you can't look at, at double-digit targets for a player and not realize that the quarterback had two games worth of attempts nearly like that. That's part of the the problem too. You have to buy into the Colts falling back into a 45 to 50 attempt scenario to get really, really excited about Grant and Rogers, but they're on the radar for sure. And the injuries the jets have at corner definitely make that matchup more, uh, more comfortable. So the Rotowire weekly projections have Chester Rogers at wide receiver 65, by the way, that seems a little low, a little, I agree. <laughs> so I might I might be in on that somewhere. All right, uh, David Moore, the Seahawks. Any interest? No. Okay, he's one percent owned. Um, tight end. You talked about Nas Paul. That makes a lot of sense. CJ, is it Uzoma or Uzoma? I should know this, and I don't. I thought it was Uzoma. I think it's Uzoma too. Okay. Um, so th- the argument for him, the Steelers have been getting beat up by opposing tight ends. I think they're literally tied for the worst on fantasy points. Um. Tyler Croft's out. That's it right there. It's that Croft's not there to kind of chip away at the possible targets, and the game script is is shootout friendly. Right. So there, there's an argu- there's a path here for him if you're interested in a tight end. Um, does Jeff Swain do anything for you? No. No. He right. doesn't. I, just, I, don't like, I don't like that passing game at all. There's just so little to, to really like force – the defense's hand and coverage with what they have right now, like I just I I get I get nowhere when I look at the Dallas pass catchers. Okay, that's fine. All right, um, let's go to DFS. We're gonna go to the value report. Dun, 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 dun. Value report. Let's go FanDuel first. Let's go Fantasy Draft first. They're the sponsor. We're gonna give them lead lead billing here. Okay, so Fantasy Draft, the value report. I'm at quarterback. Shocker. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a sneak preview, everybody. We're going to do Fantasy Draft, then DraftKings, and FanDuel. Jameis is at the top of the list on all of them. Who would have thought? I mean, that's a pretty good sign that you're going to have heavy, heavy chalk on a player when he's on every site the most valuable player based on, like, projection uh, point per dollar uh, for, for the week. Like, that's, yeah, it's not a surprise. No. So, on Fantasy Draft, Jameis and Phillip Rivers are the top values. I don't know that I buy that, but... Yeah, I wonder, I'd like to know in the secret sauce why Rivers comes out as a value because I think one of the weeks where Rivers is less safe than usual and I think he'll be under-owned, so there's tournament logic there and you can pair him up with Keenan Allen and you're probably going to get reasonably low ownership rates on both, 
but I don't think the Browns are necessarily a, a bad defense. They might even be a good one. We talked about them as a streaming option. Like they, they've done pretty good work against opposing quarterbacks now this season. Uh, if we're looking at uh, fantasy draft points per game allowed to opposing quarterbacks this season, and we look at that matchup, the Browns have only given up 16.2 fantasy points. Yep. And to opposing quarterbacks per game. So that makes them a top 10 defense in terms of how tough they are. So I, I look at that as a pretty bad spot for Phillip Rivers, at least as far as your your cash game approach goes. Well, he is, he is uh, salary-wise, he is the number 18 quarterback. That's probably why. Yeah, that's that's pushing it, I think, most of the way. And I just wonder if the Browns' defense isn't getting the complete respect that it deserves. Okay. Um, on the value report, am I seeing this right? Where am I going here? Hold on. Did you fancy. break it? I think I broke it because now it says, I, before the show, I prepped and it said, McCaffrey and James White were top of the value report for running back fantasy draft. But now I'm looking at it and it says Ito Smith and Philip Lindsay. So mm, things change though as injury yeah. stuff comes in. Freeman maybe got ruled out officially uh, since you last looked at it or yep. something. Probably true. Okay. So there you go. It's it's Smith, Lindsay, um, then your man Aaron Jones right there. So you think this is it? Is this it for Aaron Jones? Is this the week? No, this is this is a week where McCarthy gets booed walking off the field at halftime. <laughs> this cracks me up with you guys. It's still every week it makes me laugh. Um with the McCarthy hate. Not that it's not deserved. Uh wide receiver on fantasy draft. Top of the value meter, Julio, Adam Thielen, Antonio, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen. No surprises there. We're gonna go to tight end. Uh Ryan Griffin from the Texans. He had a big week last week, right? He's weird though because they have three good receivers who should all play. So I just I don't like that he's no better than the fourth banana yeah. in in the offense. It maybe even fifth if you factor in dumping it down to Lamar Miller. Um, that's all about Griffin getting some targets and only being five thousand in a situation where like Gronk costs twelve four and Kelsey and and Ertz you know for Thursday night with. 12.9 each. Like it, it's just relative pricing there. Yeah. I mean, ba- just remember about Griffin if you're interested at all. His snap count has stayed relatively consistent. He's on the field a lot. And last week was the only time he was kind of busy in the passing game. His re- his target count 5 1, 4 1, and then 9 last week. Reception count 0 1, 2 1, 6. So not, you know, it, it was probably fluky. Um, Austin Hooper next. And then Cameron Bray. But we'll see if that changes at all. Um, Next up, we're going to go to FanDuel. Top of the value mirror. Again, this tends to be big names because of the way FanDuel's salary structure works. Quarterback, top of the list. Guess who? Jameis. Um, and then Deshaun Watson and then the Brady-Mahomes pairing. Running back, the top of the value meter. McCaffrey, Gurley, um, Tevin Coleman. Now that Freeman's out, Tevin Coleman is 6,300 on FanDuel. He's got a nice, he's a pretty nice, value, pretty nice salary in a shootout of a game um, and and a pretty good size workload too. Uh, receiver, Tyreek, top of the... Does that surprise you at all? Uh, no, because I think he produces like a wide receiver one and he's priced under 8K. So I, I think it's it's just that. And, and the game, I mean, like the over-under is 59.5 right now yep. between those uh, Patriots and, and Chiefs. So 
I, I get it. I, I think it's a, a wide receiver one priced like a, a high-end two right now. And that plus the projection being good, the setup being good, I think that's what kind of puts him over the top. All right. Top five value meter uh, wide receiver on FanDuel. Tyreek, Thielen, Keenan, Mike Evans, and Julio, and then Antonio. So no surprises there. We're going to go to tight end. Brates up at the top there too. Again, this is going to depend on uh, uh, on. It's going to depend on Howard, but then if Howard's out, Brakes going to Brakes going to get very chalky. So there's a sort of two sides to that when you're looking at DFS. I think. Um, I I would rather I'd rather take a slightly higher owned uh, than normal Chris Godwin in tournaments as my third receiver mm-hmm. than play a chalky Cameron Brait at okay. tight end. Okay. Just if you want the exposure cheap to that game, even if Godwin's way higher owned than usual, he's not going to get anywhere near Brait's percentage if O.J. Howard doesn't play. And Cameron Brait just seems like he could be bad chalk. Like I, I, the way they were using him, and I know it was Fitz instead of Winston to begin the season when Howard was healthy, just made me think that they've kind of moved on from Brait as being a big focal point. I know he's got that connection with Winston, but I would like to fade that if Howard is out. Got it. All right. Uh, DraftKings. Uh, James at the top again, a quarterback. Next up, Jared Goff. He is 6,000 on DraftKings, which has him. He's probably the eighth quarterback on the main slate in salary. Do you buy that for Jared Goff? I mean, the Broncos defense is not the old Broncos defense. Um, the implied total is 25.75, which is on the high end, but not super high. What do you think? I think it's interesting for tournaments, especially. I mean, I I think Gurley could just be worked a bit more than usual. And and if if Cooks and Cup were out, they would adjust the game plan to be more run heavy. But as I said earlier, if, if Cup plays, Robert Woods is still there on the outside. Josh Reynolds steps up. Maybe they go more to the tight ends. Goff comes in for tournament purposes really low owned. Like he's going to be, I think, completely ignored short of like a 1.5, 2% of the entries. Uh, that's what makes him appealing. The low price, opening some things up. Because when you consider that on DraftKings, Jameis Winston is 200 less than Goff, that's where everybody in that price point is going to go. Yep. And as far as your, like, your team setup, you know, like, the, like the Steelers, the Rams are on the road. Denver, not the elite shutdown defense it was a few years ago. And, and the Bengals are, are a good defense, but not amazing. I, I see Big Ben on the road having just as many, if not more, flaws than Jared Goff on the road against the current Denver defense. And I think everyone's going to just write him off. So I think the appeal is that he's just a low-owned tournament play at a very affordable price. All right. Running back, uh, Ito at the top again, Philip Lindsay again. Um Chris Carson next. These are all low. I mean, Ito's 3,100, but Lindsey and Carson are 45 and 44. So, uh, and Tevin Coleman rears his head again here. Wide receiver, Julio and Antonio, top of the value meter. How about that? If you're looking for a bargain among the top 10, Martavis Bryant, actually, 3,500. He's, uh, I think, sixth or seventh here at receiver. That's an interesting one. I was on him last week. So. Yeah, he he he's kind of like Robbie Anderson, like he has a permanent condo in GPP only land <laughs> because it's it's like big playability, but totally random and generally low volume. So, um, yeah, you can punt that spot and and pay up everywhere else. But it 
it does kind of stand out when you look at what kind of, of, of damage he could do with limited targets for such a low price. Yep. All right. Um, and the tight ends, again, familiar names here, Hooper, Griffin, Bray. Do you want me to build a team or not with the optimizer? Sure. Yeah, right. build one. I'm going to build a team with the optimizer. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to do DraftKings right here. And... You got to lock something in, though. You can't uh, just run it. I'm going to lock in Chester Rogers. You're a madman. Uh, where did, now, but I got to scroll to find him, right? Do I have a search <laughs> here? <laughs> That's exactly why you shouldn't do it, because you can sort by value, and he still doesn't pop up he doesn't? high enough. Come on. Nope. Where is he? Come on, Maybe Chester. the optimizer just says, no, we, we don't, we don't right. play Chester Rogers. I, I'm going to do that, your man Chris Godwin. How about that? All right, yeah, got hundred. Building a tournament lineup here. I'm building a tournament lineup, and so then tight end. I'm going to go Niles Paul. How about that? All right, now yeah, you've got you got two pretty interesting starting points. I think that's a good way to. Well, should I do it since I got two low guys? Should I do a? Should I do two low guys? Because then what it's going to spit back at me is you know oh we'll play Julio and Antonio and you know Todd Gurley and people like that. So maybe I should do a high end uh, anchor. How about that? Let's just back that up for one second. If if you if you built a lineup that was crazy chalky and you threw the right darts like that to make the salaries fit, you could win a tournament that way. Like yep. if all your chalk hits. Okay, fine. But but I, I think I think what that that mindset is is it's kind of like overestimating the stability of the highest end players a little bit, right? Like you you look at it and be like, yes, this lineup's awesome, and then. Sunday rolls around and it's good. Like it probably caches or min caches, but does it actually win a, a tournament with tens of thousands of entries? It's just probably still not unique enough. I did that last week actually. And I threw, I, I built around, I put into the optimizer Crowell and Martavis Bryant. And I hmm. spit me back. And the thing is, you know, Crowell, I'm like, I'm a genius at, at one thirty yeah. Eastern. I'm a genius. And then I'm watching Julio Jones going, you son of a, you know, it didn't work. All right, so you ready? Here we go. <laughs> so the optimizer, come on, man. The optimizer gave me a backfield of Tevin Coleman and Ito Smith. Oh, man. I really shouldn't give you two guys in the same backfield ever. No. You know what? I'm throwing Tevin out. Ready? X and him. You're, you're going to keep Ito? Yeah, I'm going to keep Ito. That's, that's fading probably the chalkiest running back. With Freeman out, I think Coleman's ownership rate ends up being the highest among the running backs this week. I don't think that's a, a stretch at all. All right, I'm going to refresh it. Because the thing is, with e- I figured with Ito, since he's 3,100, what is it going to give me back? Well, no, we would redo the whole thing. We'd reshuffle. I get it. Okay. But now, if you're going one, like stupid banana head for the millionaire maker and, and using the entire Falcons backfield in, in a lineup, you obviously would have to fade Julio Jones. You'd, you'd be under this this idea that, Hey, it's going to be three Tevin Coleman touchdowns and like one Edo Smith touchdown, which is a low, low percentage probability. But bear in mind, there will be like no other lineup that is built that way. All right. Here's what I got. Jameis, every time I refresh, Jameis was the quarterback, by the way. Um, Jameis, Christian McCaffrey, David Johnson, Edo Smith, Antonio, Julio, Chris Godwin, Niles Paul, and the Bears defense. I actually, I kind of like that for tournaments because David Johnson has a decent touch floor, even if it's a, a bad matchup against Minnesota. The game script shouldn't write him out, even though Cardinals are stupid. He's cheap. 
yeah, McCaffrey's a monster. Brown and Julio, monsters. Ito, if if Coleman gets, you know, just completely gassed, and then after a long run, Ito comes in and, and punches in a TD. Like you'll be the one laughing, while everybody else that has the Coleman chalk is stuck holding the bag. The Jameis thing is really chalky, but I, I mean, I understand why it recommends him. And then you got the connection to Jameis with Godwin, so you, you have a stack too. Yep. So, so you need Godwin to go off instead of Mike Evans, Brown and Julio to do Brown and Julio things, McCaffrey to be himself. The Bears could sack Ryan Tannehill 14 times and score <laughs> three defensive touchdowns. This this is a nice tournament lineup. I don't hate this, even though it's it's a mix of like chalk and then I don't, I don't know what do you what do you call it? what's the opposite of chalk? I I don't know what the opposite of chalk is. But it does have Ito and Julio on the same team here, but that that's at least doable. Yeah. All right. So there you have it. That's that's the lineup that it built. But again, um, but yeah, the fantasy draft. Check it out uh, because of the uh, the different salary structure where you're going to have you know bigger names and, and have some fun, and you get that free four dollar GPP with your deposits. So that's really cool. Derek, what else you got going on other than watching lots of Brewers this weekend? Brewers tonight. Uh, simultaneously, we are are watching a a child. My wife and I, a friend of ours, is there. We're giving them a date night, huh. which we. My my wife kindly scheduled long before we knew the Brewers were in the LCS, but obviously you can watch a toddler and watch a baseball game at the same time when you have two adults. So, um, you know, cool that that works out. How old? Uh, four. All right. My also, own. a four-year-old doesn't stay up all night, right? Like a four-year-old goes to bed not that long after first pitch. So this is probably I, I'm I'm cursing myself right now. Like I know I'm setting myself up for something very unexpected. But anyway, it'll all be fine. Uh, I'll watch that game. It'll be amazing. And um, tomorrow, Saturday, I've got the XM show. So that's on from 1 to 3 Eastern. Nice. All right. Well, How about uh, you? What do you got going? You got another pool party coming up? No, nah, no. It's, it's finally cooled off rain? here. It's cooled off to 70 degrees here, which you would probably be jumping in the pool. And I'm going, no, it's way too cold. I'm not doing that. Yeah, it's 45 here. So <laughs> I would absolutely take your 70. <laughs> You think that's of course it's pool weather at seventy. What are you kidding? Yeah, we're not doing that. Nah, my son's birthday's Monday, so we're getting ready to do stuff there. That's pretty much it. And I gotta coach baseball tomorrow afternoon. So that's where we are. It's a pretty boring weekend. Yeah, that's a that's a good Saturday. It is a good Saturday. Yeah. Our team our team the other night on Tuesday night or Wednesday night, we um this is ten to twelve year olds. We were up nine four going into the uh, last inning, the bottom of the last inning, which turned out to be the fifth because of the time limit, we gave up eight. We gave up eight walks and a hit, <laughs> and did not get an out. That's rough. <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> wow. So that's that's the kind of thing you're dug. You're like, all right, come on, you can throw strikes now, and it just didn't work out. So. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes kids get too much of the plate, and sometimes they they can't get close to the plate. Right. So, but it's fun. So we'll get back on that tomorrow. All right, everybody, listeners to our podcast get a free ten day RotoWire trial at RotoWire.com/pod. No credit card needed for that. So check out nearly all the features on the site by doing so. Take a look. RotoWire.com/pod. Um, please leave us reviews and ratings wherever you're listening. We always appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fantasy Draft. We'll be back on Monday to review the weekend. So come on back then. We hope you win, everybody. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.